Welcome to Awaken to Grace. I'm Chad Roberts. Today we're going to study the life of Samson in the Old Testament. You know, Samson is a tremendous example to us today, and we're going to learn many lessons out of his life. We're going to see many biblical principles, and the main thing that we're going to see today in today's episode is that Samson, although he was very blessed of God, although he was even called by God, chosen by God, gifted by God, Samson played spiritual games. He wasn't serious about the things of God. And today we're going to talk about how you and I face the same potential danger. So let's get into God's Word. Let's look at the life of Samson today. And let me just encourage you, if you've never downloaded my free mobile app, go to your App Store or Google Play, wherever you download your apps, and search Awakened to Grace. Connect with us. Download our podcast, Awakened to Grace with Chad Roberts. Wherever you get your podcast, connect with us, and let's grow in God's Word together. So let's go now. We're going to be in Judges chapter 13 as we study the life of Samson. I want to talk today about a character in the Bible that was quite a character. His name was Samson. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible very much, you probably have heard about Samson. You probably know a couple of stories out of his life. You probably know about a woman that got him in a whole lot of trouble. Anybody remember her name? Delilah. Wait, no, that's the wrong one. That's a different one. But Delilah, as I'm going to show you today in the Bible, Delilah was not really Samson's problem. He had a whole different problem. And I think if you listen with an open heart today, you're going to see much of yourself in this man named Samson. If you pay attention to what God wants to say to you today, I think the Holy Spirit is going to show you Some things about you that's similar to Samson. But what I hope is going to be different is that you and I will not pay the price that Samson paid. What I hope is that we can avoid the steep consequences that Samson had. I hope that we can veer away from the mistakes that Samson made. If you're going to take notes today, I'm going to try to walk you the best I can from memory through Judges 13, 14, 15, and 16. I'm going to give you a handful of key scriptures throughout those chapters because chapters 13 to 16 cover Samson's life. And if you want to take some notes that would put those chapters in context for you, I want you to note a few things. Number one, Samson was the last of the judges of Israel. This era is going to come to a close. What's going to come after Samson is King Saul and the rest of the monarchs. But Samson's going to close a chapter with Israel, and it's an ugly chapter. If you've never read the chapter of Judges, oh, it is some unbelievable things. 
And one of the key passages of the book of Judges is that it was a time in Israel's history that men did what was right in their own eyes. Can we say the same of this godless culture today? Are people not doing what is right in their own eyes with no regard to what God says, no regard to what God thinks, no regard to what the Word says, but no people do what's right in their own eyes? This is the world that Samson was born into. Samson was very much a product of his generation. But see, the problem is that Samson's birth was foretold actually by an angel of God to his parents in chapter 13. And the angel of the Lord told his parents that Samson's purpose in life, his mission in life, was to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. I want you to notice right off the bat in chapter 13, if you'll just note or highlight or asterisk verses number 5 and number 7, because this is what jumps out to me in the text. I want you to note that number one, Samson belonged to God. And verse 7 says something interesting. It says that Samson was to be a Nazarite. And I'll explain that in just a moment. But this is what I want you to understand in verses 5 and 7. Samson belonged to God. The Bible actually says, from the day of his birth to the day of his death. I love how God bookends his life. It says, from the time he's born to the day he dies, he belongs to the Lord. And I want to share with you today, church. I want you to hear me, my precious friends. Those that are, you're in the building or you're watching online. I want you to hear my pastoral heart today because God has given me a specific word for many of you. And it is this. There are many of you that are listening today. And no matter how wild your life has gotten, no matter how sinful your life has been, no matter how off track you seem to get, no matter how far into sin you seem to go, something keeps pulling you back to God. And let me tell you what it is. You belong. To the Lord. You belong to God. And that's why you can turn to whatever sin you turn to, but it doesn't satisfy you. That's why you can go deeper into sin, and yet there's no peace, and there's no fulfillment, and there's no significance, and there's no meaning to your life. It's because, friends, you belong to God. You've always belonged to God, and you always will belong to God. Because before you were ever born, you were in the heart of God. And you'll never be happy. You'll always be searching. You'll always try to find peace and joy for your soul. And you'll never find it apart from Jesus Christ. Your heart is restless. And it will never find rest until it rests in God. And that's why you can turn to all of the things of the world. You can go relationship to relationship. You can go from career to career. You can go from city to city. You can go from job to job. You can go from friends to friends. You can go from addiction to addiction. And nothing will ever satisfy your soul. It would be like drinking sand. All of these things of the world, it's like a mirage. And you think you're drinking water. But all you're doing is drinking more sand. And it will never satisfy. 
It will never quench the thirsting of your soul. And do you know why? It's because, precious soul, you belong to God. And it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what lifestyle you've been in or chosen. See, Samuel, I'm sorry, Samson. Samson's life is a trail of sin. It's a trail of Chapters 13, 14, 15, 16. It's just a trail of failure and mistakes and regrets. But all the while, he was the Lord's. Your life may be the same. Friends, I have got great gospel news for you. I want to call today, God's not through with you. And it doesn't matter how far off into sin you've gotten. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter where you are right now, present. God has grace for you today. And we're going to see it in the life of Samson. Number one, Samson belonged to God all the days of his life. And no matter what sin he found himself in, he was the Lord's. Number two, go to chapter 14. And I want you to look at verse number three. Before we look at verse 3, uh, let me just explain quickly what a Nazarite vow is because that's what Samson, he, he was to be a Nazarite. Now don't get a Nazarite confused with the New Testament Nazarene. Jesus was a Nazarene because he was from the city of Nazareth. A Nazarite vow is quite different. What a Nazarite vow meant he was separated to God. And he had three rules in his life. Number one, a Nazarite could not cut their hair. A razor was to never come upon his head. And as we'll see in chapter 16, what gave him his supernatural human strength was his hair. Number two, a Nazarite was never to touch a dead body, either human or animal. And we're going to see Samson violate that law. And number three, a Nazarite was to never drink of the vine. So that meant he could not drink wine or any alcohol or even Welch's grapefruit juice for that matter. <laughs> he couldn't drink anything of the vine. Those were the three statutes, the three commandments, the three laws that set him apart from the rest of his culture. Now as we go to chapter 14, I want to show you number two about Samson. Not only did he belong to God... I want to show you the fatal flaw of Samson. Look at verse number 3 as well as verse number 7. The Bible says that Samson did what was right in his own eyes. Samson got in his heart that he wanted a bride of the Philistines. Now you remember last week we talked about David going to the land and settling in Ziklag among the Philistines. Remember David was where he had no business being doing what he had no business doing with the people he had no business being around. Well, we're going to see the same mistake today, today by Samson. Samson goes to take a bride of the Philistines. And he meets this gorgeous Philistine woman. And he comes home to his parents and he says, this is who I want. Go get her for you. Make the arrangement. And his parents are flabbergasted. You know what, what, I, what I really love about Samson's parents? When you read their interaction with the angel of God in chapter 13, you can hear a lot of humility in his parents. 
a lot of humility. I really like his parents. Unfortunately, it didn't take for Samson. So he ignores the advice of his parents. And let me tell you, especially if you're a young person today, if you're, if you're a student, if you're in college, if you're in your 20-somethings, let me tell you, the worst thing you can do is ignore the advice of your parents. This was a great mistake on Samson's part. And he ignores their advice and they say, Samson, why can you not take a bride of your own people? Why do you have to go to the ungodly? Why do you have to go to the Philistines? And verse 3, the end of it says, but no, Samson did what was right in his own eyes. Verse number 7, when he comes across this gorgeous Philistine, the Bible says it was right in his eyes. You know, for Samson to be a judge of Israel for 20 years, what shocks me the most If you read chapters 13 to 16, the span of his life, if you read his life, oh, how little this man prayed. We only see him praying twice, and actually both prayers were quite selfish. Apparently, he did not have any kind of a prayer life. But what he did is he did what was right in his own eyes. He did what felt good to him. He appeased himself. He lived for himself. So here's what happens. He comes and he meets this gorgeous Philistine, and they set up the wedding, and it's going to be a seven-day feast. And one day as he's headed to meet her, the Bible says he came across a lion, and this lion roared and was ready to attack him. And Samson had such crazy human strength, the Bible says he ripped the lion apart. Some years ago, when I had eyesight, I was preaching through Africa, and after the preaching tour, they took me on a safari, which was fantastic. They first showed us, you know, stuff that, like, the predators ate. I said, I don't want to see food. Where are the predators? This is what they eat. And then they took me to the lions. And I remember walking up, and they had this large, it was incredibly tall. I mean, they could have never jumped it. But it was this chain-linked fence. And I walked up, and this lion was a few feet from me. And I remember I took my camera like that, and when I did, the lion got in a pouncing position. And my heart nearly stopped. They let us play with a Bengal tiger cub and a white lion cub. And these little cubs that were only weeks old, their entire paw was larger than my entire hand. Samson rips this lion apart. He comes back three days later and in the carcass of this dead lion is a beehive. And the Bible says he scoops the honey out of the honeycomb. He violated God's law. He violated God's law of not touching any dead thing. We're going to come back to why that's so important. So he goes and they're ready for the wedding and Samson is incredibly hot-headed. He's entirely ruled and dominated by his emotions. Anger dominates him, controls him. And he storms back home to his parents because his wife betrayed his trust. 
You can read it for yourself, but let me give you just a highlight. And I want you to note this about Samuel. Number three, I want you to note uh, Samson, I'm sorry. If I say Samuel, just take that interchangeable, okay? <laughs> I want you to note this. Samson played spiritual games. That's the mistake we saw David playing last week. So he goes to the wedding party. 30 of the Philistines' friends come from his wife. And he wants to play games. And he says, let me give you a riddle. And he said, if you cannot solve the riddle, give me 30 change of clothes, which was major bucks back then. I mean, we're talking a lot of money. A change of clothes was an enormous amount of money. And he says, if you can figure the riddle out, then I'll give you 30 change of clothes. All he was doing is playing games. Let me tell you. Rather than being serious about the things of God, rather than being serious about the call of God on his life, he, all he did was play games. What a sad commentary to his life. And so he tells them the riddle, and the riddle is out of the eater comes something to eat. And out of the strong something sweet. Well, we know what that is. That was the carcass of the lion. That was the beehive, the honeycomb out of the lion. Well, they didn't know that, and they accept his challenge. They say, well, we're smarter than an Israelite. Sure, we'll take the challenge, and three days go by, and no one can figure the riddle out, and then they put pressure on his new wife, and they say, listen, if you can't get your husband to tell you the answer to the riddle, we're going to kill you, and we're going to kill your father. I mean, the stakes are high. He's playing some He's playing some serious games here. And on the seventh day, he breaks down and he tells his new wife. She tells them the riddle, and now Samson owes them 30 change of clothes. Well, here's what Samson does. He goes down to another city of the Philistines. He kills 30 men. The Spirit of God rushed upon him. He kills 30 men. He steals their property, takes their clothing, and gives it to those 30 people. You know, something bothered me in this text. Why would, the, why would the Spirit of God come on him and he do something so vindictive? He do something so wrong. He do something so unjust. And he says God's Spirit came upon him. If you're with me, say amen right now. I want you to hear this principle right now. I want you to hear this. I think many people make the exact same mistake. They think that because they can look around and see success in their life. They think that just because God has blessed their life or helped them obtain the things that they want in life. Perhaps God has given them health or perhaps God has given them the job that they want. Or they live in the home that they want. Or they have the money they want. Or the 401k or nest egg that they want. Or the wife or the husband or the children or whatever. They look around and they go, oh, God has blessed me, therefore I'm right with God. No, don't make that assumption. Just because God gives you success, just because it seems as though there's favor on your life, does not necessarily mean you are right personally with God. Samson was not right with God. As a matter of fact, his heart was far from God. If you're going to take notes today, I want you to note what a true prodigal is. And then I want us to see the characteristics of what a prodigal is. Because the fact is, you could be sitting here today, enjoying the music. 
taking notes, and yet be a prodigal in your heart. You know what a prodigal is, my friend? A prodigal is someone who belongs to God, but does not live for God. That's a prodigal. And here Samson belonged to God, but he did not live for God. He lived for himself. He did what was right in his own eyes. And that was the commentary of his life. Is that the commentary of your life? And you look around and you think just because you have the things in life you want, you assume that you're right with God, whereas you may not be. How to know if you're a prodigal today is if you belong to God, but you are not living for God. You are not making decisions for the glory of God. You live for yourself. You live based on impulse. You live to gratify your flesh. You live for your own desires. You do things. You make decisions based on what's right in your own eyes. If you look back over the last 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, how many decisions have you made based out of prayer versus what has felt right to you? What decisions are on the table of your life today? What are you weighing? What are you thinking about that instead of really praying about it, you're going back and forth on what's right to you, what feels right to you? Friends, the Bible says in Galatians 5, we will either walk according to the flesh or we will walk according to the Spirit, one or the other. And what is going to determine is, are you waiting on God? Are you listening for God? Are you, are you, is God active in your decision making? It, dads, are you being led by the Spirit of God on behalf of your family? Moms, are you being sensitive to the Spirit of God and how you're raising your children? Are you sensitive to the Lord? Or are you Samson? Are you doing only what's right in your own eyes? This was, Satan, this was Samson's fatal flaw. When you go to chapter 15, well... Let me, let me finish up 14. He, things go south with his wife. He's angry because she told them the riddle. He abuses. He takes advantage of the favor of God on his life in a horrible way. He storms back home to his parents. And then he goes back to his bride. And, <coughs> and man, her father, boy, he's a character. Oof. Read, just <laughs> read about him. And Samson decides to destroy the vineyards and the grains and everything of the Philistines. And the Philistines are so angry that they burn his wife and her father. It's a crazy story. Now the feud is on and war is on. And Samson goes to a city, chapter, four, chapter 15, he goes to a city of Edom. And the Philistines come after him and... Again, violating God's law the second time. The Bible says he takes the jawbone of a donkey. Remember, he wasn't supposed to touch the body of any dead thing. And he takes the jawbone of a donkey and he kills a thousand men with just that. He had unbelievable ability. But he's not glorifying God. 
And as a matter of fact, after he kills the thousand men, he even composes a song about it. When in reality, he composes a song that glorifies God, but in reality, he violated God's law. Friends, are you any different today? Have you come in here today and have you sang the songs? Have you prayed over things in your life, but yet the actions of your life are absolute opposite of God's law? Friends, we can be just like Samson. So we see that he belonged to God all along. We see, number two, that he did what was right in his own eyes. Chapter 14, verses 3 and 7. And then now we're going to see that what he really is is a prodigal. He was, he was, he had the title. I mean, he was a judge of Israel. He was a man of spiritual stature as well as superhuman strength. But in reality, he was not living for God. What are the traits of a prodigal? Let me give them to you quickly and then we'll, we'll finish his, his story. And there'll be some great news. Let me give you quickly four traits of a prodigal. How do you know if even if you're in church today, how do you know that your heart is leaning toward a prodigal side? And what did we say a prodigal is? A prodigal is someone who belongs to God but is not living for God. A prodigal is someone who lives for themselves. Number one, a prodigal is impulsive. Samson allowed his emotions to rule him. Samson allowed his flesh to rule him. Samson constantly appeased his flesh. He did not care what God thought. He was, did not care about God's statutes. What he cared about is being led by his emotions, being led at times by his stomach and by the desires of his flesh. Friends, as I said, Galatians 5 makes it clear. You will either walk according to the Spirit or you'll walk according to the flesh. An old Native American one time gave a great analogy of walking between the Spirit and the flesh. And, then, and this is what the Native American said. He said, I've got two dogs inside me. He said, I've got a good dog and I've got an evil dog. And he said, these dogs are constantly fighting. They're always at war. They're constantly battling. And he said, do you know what dog wins the war? The one I feed the most. The one that I keep the most healthy. And so it is in your life and my life. If you keep the things of the Spirit healthy in your life, that's why it's so important that you're in God's house today. That's why it's so important you, you listen to the Word of God. You read for yourself the Word of God. You memorize the Word of God. That's why it's so important you wear the armor of God. And you're around the people of God. And when you keep the things of the Spirit strong in your life, you'll overcome the flesh. But the opposite is true. If all you do is feed your flesh, it will overcome the things of the Spirit. Are you impulsive? Are you ruled? Are you dominated by how you feel? Are you led by your stomach? Are you led by your flesh? Are you led by your lust? Are you led by your desires? Or are you led by God's Spirit? You will be one or the other. 
Samson was impulsive. Number two, Samson was compromising. He took the commandments of God casually. They really didn't mean anything to him. Now, let's get down to where the rubber meets the road here. What did it matter if he touched a dead body? I can hear Samson on that road where the carcass of the lion was with the honeycomb. I can hear Samson saying, I'm one of the most successful men in Israel. No one can overcome me. God's blessed me. God has strengthened me. What does it matter if I touch this dead body? I can hear Samson as he reached for the jawbone of a donkey and kill a thousand of God's enemies and say, what does it matter? God blessed me anyway. And friends, you may not be saying that with your mouth, but many of you are saying it with your lifestyle. You're saying, what does it matter if I'm in sexual immorality? What does it matter if I tell lies and I'm deceptive? What does it matter if I take what's mine and steal? What does it matter if my spouse doesn't know what I'm doing? What does it matter if I open up doors of texting and lunch meetings and things that really are inappropriate? What does it matter? Friends, I want to show you with the Word of God why it matters. We fast forward in Samson's life and he meets a woman named Delilah. The sin of Samson's life grew more brazen. He moved out of his parents and the place of godliness. He moved into the capital city of the Philistines. Delilah means of the night. And what scripture is saying is that the darkness in Samson's life was growing The stakes were getting higher. He was going deeper into sin. Matter of fact, the first part of chapter 16, Samson is visiting prostitutes. Can you imagine the man of God, the judge of Israel, the one that God anointed, the one that God appointed, and he's visiting prostitutes? And then he falls in love with Delilah. Just like believers today fall in love with this world. Friends, 1 John 2, 14, 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Light and darkness cannot walk together. And yet he goes into darkness. He moves into it. And he falls in love with Delilah and... Three times he tells her lies on how to bind him. Let me tell you what a blatant picture of playing spiritual games this is. And finally, just like he did not learn from his previous wife. I mean, I can't believe we're in the sequel. Just like he did not learn from his previous wife, he does not learn from Delilah. He tells her His secret. That his strength is in his hair. She convinces him to fall asleep in her lap. And the Philistine comes and shaves his head. 
Was he a heavy sleeper or what? Good night. She wakes him up. Samson, the Philistines are here. And he says, I'll shake myself free like other times and I'll overcome them. Chapter 16, verse 20. Friends, I'm going to show you the harm of sin with the word of God. Chapter 16, verse 20. When, Samuel awoke, when Samson awoke, listen, he did not know that the Spirit of God had left him. Some of you are messing around with sin today. And you're saying in your heart, it's no big deal. What is the harm? Friends, let me ask you a question today. What if the harm is that you're driving away the Spirit of God? What if the harm is that you're grieving the Holy Spirit that resides within you? Have you ever thought that when you have that affair, you subject the Holy Spirit to that affair? Have you ever considered that when you watch pornography, you subject the Holy Spirit to that because He resides within you? When you lie and when you deceive, when you gossip and when you backbite, the Holy Spirit is within you. And you drive Him away. You grieve Him. That's the harm. Friends, Samson was impulsive. He did not care. He was compromising. He treated the things of God casual. I know it doesn't feel like a big deal, but what is the harm of drinking of the vine? What's the harm of shaving the head? What's the harm of touching a dead body, friends? He drove the Spirit of God from him. And could it be you've done the same in your home? Could it be that your marriage is not what it should be because, Dad, there's sin that is abounding in you? And your wife may not know it. Your children may not know it. Your pastor may not know it. But the Spirit of God that's inside you knows it. And He knows it well. Number three, Samson was unteachable. Now, this is interesting. I want you to note this about his life. Out of chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16, you know what we don't see around Samson? This is huge. Say, just say amen if you're with me. Amen. A lot of you nod your head, but I can't see you nodding your head. I need to know you're there. I'm flying blind. <laughs> well, you know what? I say that and the Lord convicts me because you know what the book of Micah says? When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be light to me. Amen. And the Lord is light to me. Glory to God. He was unteachable. Now this is interesting. Out of all those chapters of Samson's life, you know what we don't see? We don't see any men around him. We don't see any godly men speaking into his life. I want you to note this about Samson. He was a one-man show. He was a loner. I want you to note Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1. The Bible says that a man that isolates himself seeks his own desire and rejects advice. 
A man that isolates himself, seeks his own desires. What did Samson do? Verse 3, chapter 14. He did what was right in his own eyes. A man that isolates himself, seeks his own desires, and rejects advice. There was no one speaking into Samuel. There was no one saying, Samuel, I see a change in you. Samuel, you're making mistakes. Samuel, you're veering off the path of righteousness. Samuel, uh, Samson, you're not pleasing God with your decisions. Samson, you need to get serious about the Lord. He didn't have anyone around him. I feel God telling me to preach specifically to men this morning. Men, who is in your life? I realize many of you are introverts. I'm an introvert to a great degree. If I had my choice between being in a room full of 15 to 20 people and being at home in my recliner and thinking to myself, I'd choose my, I'd be alone every single time. But see, the question is not, are you an introvert? The question isn't, are you comfortable around crowds? People think because I speak in front of other people, I'm, I'll just, I'm big and outgoing. No. I'm actually quite withdrawn, and I'm actually extremely quiet. And I like to be reflective, and I like to be alone. I, so it's a struggle for me. I have, to, I have to pay attention. I have to watch out. But friends, it's not a question of if you're an introvert today. It's the question, hear me. Say amen if you're with me right now. Dads, I want to talk especially to you. Who have you given permission to speak into your life. To say, you're not as spiritual as you were. You're not praying like you were. You're not in church like you were. You don't got your family pursuing God like you did. Give people permission for that. As you leave today at the Welcome Center, there's these sheets called, There's Something for You. They list all of our Bible studies. We've got multiple Bible studies going on right now for men and for women and for both men and women together. You need to look at that. You need to join one of those. Why? Not so you can just add something to your plate. Not so you can just check something off a box. No, friends, you need community. You need accountability. And you need to have men in your life. You need to have women in your life. Women, you need to have other women in your life. You need to have people that are speaking into you. That when you veer a little off the path, they help get you back on the right path. Amen. And we all need that. You know, a hot burning coal, it cannot stay hot on its own. You realize that, right? And neither will you. You gotta you gotta fan the flame. You gotta be around other hot burning coals. You need the accountability. You need the community. And what we see void in Samson's life is that there were no men around him. There were no men, no godly men speaking into his life. There was no community. There was no accountability. And is it the same with you? Could it be the same in your life, friends? You can change that. By jumping into a group. And you need to do that. 
He was unteachable. The Bible says in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. Don't be a one-man show. Don't be a lone ranger. Number four, and then I'll begin to land the plane. (laughs) We're on our descent. (laughs) Samson thought he was invincible. For 20 years, he judged Israel. And for 20 years, there was no one in the land like him. And he thought he was invincible. What does the Bible say, friends? Pride goes before the fall. Hear my heart, my friends. Oh, I'm a pastor. I'm a shepherd. And I'm going to say to you as pastorally as I can. I'm going to say to you as lovingly as I can. But I'm going to say as blunt and clear as I can. Many of you think you're invincible. If you didn't, you would stop your sexual immorality. Because the fact is, you could die tonight. You would walk away from your lifestyle. You would walk away from the sin. You would stop offending God. You would stop slapping God in the face with your sin. If you didn't think, if you thought you would stand in judgment. But no, see many of you, you think you're invincible. You think you got plenty of time. My little girl this morning, Piper, who's 10, she was getting ready for church and she changed her outfit. And I said, why did you change your outfit? And just the way she said it, it was cute, but just the way she said it, she said, oh, I'll wear it next Sunday. And I thought, oh, how we presume that we have next Sunday. That's why the Bible teaches us to say, if the Lord wills. And see, some of you are living your life assuming That you have day after day, year after year. You think that you're invincible. And my precious friend, you're not. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today's the day to repent of your sin. Today, because you're not promised tomorrow. Lastly, about Samson. We've seen the ugly chapters of his life. We've seen the sins. We've seen the trail of regrets. Let me tell you what happens to him in the end. Chapter 16, verse 22. The Philistines come and they gouge out both of his eyes. You know what the Bible means when it says they gouged out his eyes? It means they took a hot poker... And they seared both of his eyes. And they then took a knife and carved out whatever was left of the eye cavity. And here's Samson, the mighty man of God. With a call of God on his life. That from the day he is born to the day he dies belongs to God. And here Samson is blind and bound. By the enemy. And it looks like it's over. But you know why I want to call today's message God's not through with you? Because chapter 16 verse 22 is a remarkable verse. While Samson is grinding the mill. 
blind and bound, something begins to happen. The Bible says that his hair begins to grow. And the Philistines don't notice it. And day by day, his hair begins to grow. Well, you know what that means, friends? His strength is returning. <clears throat> and you know what the Bible says to you? You who've been in sexual immorality, you who've been deceptive, you who's steeped in sin, you who are far away from God today, you who are living according to your flesh, you who have no regard for God. You know what the Bible says to you? That every day God's mercy is renewed for you. Lamentations 3. And where it looked like things would be over, God had a new beginning for Samson. And I don't care what your past is today. I don't care how great your sin was last night. God has a new beginning for you. Because while you slept, His mercies, they were renewed. Friends, it is never too late to cry out to God.